Good to have everyone here. So now that you've sought the approval of everybody around here, I've been seeking an approval for a loan lately. We we sold our house, and we're moving into a, a smaller place. We're downsizing. And as a result, I've had to sign about 150 papers. I have hand cramps from all these signatures. And you have to get all these approvals from everybody and everything. So they approve your credit, and they approve your looks. They, you know... It goes on and on and on and on and on, this, this approval factor that comes into play there. Then when we sold our house, they have to approve that the house is okay. The termite guy has got to come and approve you. So I had to be nice to the termite guys when they came in and give them food, things like that, make them feel better. And they wouldn't find any termites. They found them anyway and said, yeah, you've got to take care of these things. Uh, interesting setup there, but our life often becomes a process by which we deal with the issue of approval of others, and sometimes it's appropriate, but very, very often it's not at all. In fact, the reason we seek approval is because we are struggling with a sense of inadequacy, and we're trying to gain something that we can never gain from somebody else that needs to come uh, directly from God. We're in a series called The Alter Ego, and some of you are thinking, Pastor Lee, you can't spell. That's true, but in this case, that wasn't the issue. The altar was talking about the fact that we all need to bring our egos before God, lay them at his altar, and allow him to help us become and recognize who we really are. That God made us. He gathered us together into positions and places. He provided for us all these wonderful things that God has done for us, but we need to recognize what they are and who we are. So when we talk about an alter ego, we're talking about coming to an understanding of who we truly are and how God desires to work in our lives and through our lives for others. So we talked, first of all, about this issue of inadequacy. How many of you tend to feel inadequate? I want you all to notice all the hands. Because everyone feels inadequate. No matter how successful you are, there always seems to be somebody that's more successful. No matter how smart you are, there's someone who is smarter. No matter how strong you are, ask Egypt, there's somebody stronger. Eh? It doesn't seem to matter. And God says, that's because you don't understand that your adequacy only comes from my efficacy, from my completeness, from my fullness, that God is the one who can make us adequate, who can grant us feelings of adequacies and put us in that place where we truly have peace in our life. And then we talked about the struggle with our need uh, for control. And we struggle with that issue in terms of a need for control. We tend to think, I need to control these different areas. And we walk through that area there and we said, first of all, we need to ask some basic questions. The first one is, is it worth the cost? When we try to control things, we need to ask ourselves, is it really worth the cost? What is going to cost us to do this? And the second question is, is it even under our control? Some things are. There's some things you can do. But the last question we need to ask strongly is, is it under God's control? Have we placed it under his control? And then we'll recognize the steps that we need to take. Placing our ego in the right place so that God can use us in the manner that he desires to and that will bring about the greatest good in our lives and the lives of others. And then... Uh, Last week, Pastor Eric talked about this desire for entitlement, uh, the issue that we're called to serve, not to sulk, that we're called to give, not to be greedy, that that's the directive that God gives to us and it tries to help us understand in relationship to our ego, 
It's often an upside-down structure. It's as we serve that we gain a sense of wholeness. It's as we give that we actually gain. That's how God guides us. Today we're going to talk about the last area in this series concerning our ego. So I basically have said there's four parts of our ego. And this one today is talking about the issue for the need for approval. The need for approval. I long to be approved. And there's a verse here that I want us to grab a hold of and hopefully you'll memorize it this week. And it goes like this. Let's see if we got it here. Fear of man will prove to be a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Let's read that all together. Ready? Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Now, before we exegete that verse, let's uh, get a little bit of background and awareness of what's going on in terms of our lives and direction and what God wants to say to us today. We all struggle with the longing for approval. We struggle with the fear of man, the desire to be recognizes something special or something above, something oftentimes better than we ourselves are. And we begin to seek this approval in a variety of different ways. The directive of God is simple. We need to approve. We need to get approved from God and God alone. Our approval must first and foremost be from God. Remember when we did all the politics here a while back in every commercial you'd hear at the end of each commercial they'd say something like this my name is fill in the blank and i have what approve this message and i thought okay the directive here is god is saying you are my child okay my name is god and i have approved you and you need to have that sense and awareness that you were made specifically as you are for an intended purpose by God, specifically with a design that is incredibly complex and exactly as God desired for you to be. We all love to be loved. Does everybody here love to be loved? I love to be loved. I don't like being hated. I don't like being disliked. I don't want people to look down on me. I don't want people to be mad at me. I tend to do whatever I can and, you know, to deal with that. Is that okay with you guys? Is that okay? You're getting the idea, yeah. You like the idea? Do you approve of this message? Do you think we're going in a good place? See what's going on? That, that's the struggle, and that literally happens in relationship uh, to messages and sharing and life. As long as I can remember, I've sought the approval of others. When I was a young boy, I used to seek the approval of my, of my father and seek the approval of my friends. Whatever I could do to get approval is what I would do. We see that in everybody's life around. As a young pastor, I became a pastor, and I would do anything, anything for anybody in any way possible, serve them any way I could, just so they would say, wow, you are such a wonderful pastor. And I was always seeking the approval, and we would speak, and I'd think, I hope that was okay today. It wasn't too long. It wasn't too short. It was insightful enough that you truly enjoyed it. And then as I got a little older as I am today, I no longer struggle at all with this sense of need for approval except for every day of my life. After every message, you can ask my wife, I come home and the first question I always turn to her is say, honey, how was the message? Oh, it was good. <laughs> how good was it? You want me to rate it? <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know, is it... Is it going to rate high or low? 
She'll say, well, you know, you could have. And she's been doing this for 30 years. Like, oh, no, here we go again. Here comes a, how well did I do? How is the message? You know, bring it down. She has even a series of things when she takes the out. She walks through. She doesn't do the outline. She makes her own ups. Then I look at it afterwards. I check out her outline. You'll see it. I check it out and think, how good did I do? Did she get all the stuff that I was supposed to get? Did she get all the, the numbers there? Did she get the ideas? Wow, I did pretty good. Well, she listened pretty good anyway. We struggle with this sense of approval. Am I okay? Did I do all right? I have this longing. Now, some of you can relate to this. How many of you can relate to this? Okay, the rest of you, you're liars. Okay, oh, no. Five signs that you may be living for the approval of others. Just give you five simple signs. Number one, you occasionally worry about what others think. Okay? You occasionally worry about what others think. So, you know, are you nervous when you speak publicly? I speak all the time. My son now has been doing a little webinar, and he said, I figured it must be in my genes, Dad. You speak all the time. I must know how to do this. And he's actually getting good at it. And he finds himself going, wow, that was cool. But the first few times, really difficult. How did I do? Oh, I was, they were hitting him. Every time he'd say, um, they'd pop him one on the, on the shoulder. Um, ah, uh, you know. That goes back and forth. And teaching him, don't say, um, some of the early things you learn in speech. Just be quiet. Act like you know what you're saying. It's not true, but they'll think you do. Yeah, how about posts on social media? Do you like them? I always like, post a like. I go, What? Supposed to, yeah, I like Lighthouse Coastal Community Church. Of course I like Coastal. You know, I like Illuminate. That's our youth thing. I like, and you're supposed to tell me you like them. Well, what if you don't like them? You just don't do anything. So you begin to look and say, how many likes did I get? How many likes did I get? Am I truly liked? Do they approve of me? How about clothes? Some of you ladies especially, less guys, but very much the girls, do that in clothes. How do my clothes look? What do you think about this? Uh, comment, I've got nothing to wear. And I look at this closet full of about 50 different items. I have nothing to wear. Really? What she's saying is she has nothing that she thinks you will approve of that she wore. Or you, you go to a store and you get this absolutely stunning outfit. Hopefully he's not a guy, but you know, a stunning outfit. And you got in you, and you, the the person that serves look at sales critics says, "Wow, you look incredible." And you're thinking, "You are right." I'm like, "Wow, I look hot. I am, whoa, baby, hot." And so you you go home and you put on the outfit and you and you walk out. You go out and you come to church and you're kind of walking in, got the old walk going, and nobody says anything. And you're like, a little more strut. Okay. Okay. Hi. Nobody says one word. Oh, hi. How you doing? Your hair looks nice. You're thinking, what is going on? I'm taking this outfit back tomorrow. You see the struggle with this sense of, I worry about what other people think. Or I can have 50 people come to me and say, Pastor Lee, that was such a good message. Thank you so much. And then one person will come and say, you didn't work very long on that, did you? I'm obsessed. What do you mean I didn't work that long on it? Sure, I worked long on it. Did I execute something wrong? Well, did you notice verse 21 says, no, I actually didn't notice that. Well, you should have. I'm like, wow, 
I feel so inadequate. I desperately need their approval. I care too much about what other people think. If you tend to care too much about what other people think, check your mark. Don't raise your hand. Just check it right there on that thing. It's check. Yeah, I care too much about what other people think. Secondly, maybe you're overly sensitive. That was my comment made just a minute ago when, as I said, 50 people support it and one person's against it. Really what you're supposed to say is, you need to listen to the other people. You must obviously not listen to the message very well because it was an exceptional message. I had over 50 people tell me that. And that will help them go, you know, you're right. It probably was a very good message. I didn't listen very well. The struggle is we tend to be very, very sensitive about things. And oftentimes we don't need to be sensitive whatsoever. Third reason. You compromise your values. It shows that you have this particular problem of approval. You compromise your values. You find yourself in a situation. You're sharing with somebody. And you lie for no reason. No real reason. It's just, it's just easier to lie than not. Hey, have you ever been to... Oh, yeah. And you think to yourself, no, I haven't. Why did I say that? Why did I bring that up there? Or you find yourself uh, with this guy that you're really enjoying. You have a great relationship with them and you're both single and you're getting closer and closer and you love him and he says he loves you, but he'd really love you more if you would... And you give in to that even though you really wanted to save your purity for your husband when he got married. and You compromise your values because you want approval. You want to be loved. You want him to love you. Perhaps this will do it. For guys, it can be swearing and drinking. For some reason, macho thing. Okay, oh, I'll drink another beer and I'll, oh, I'll start swearing like all the other guys are. And I'm thinking, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? What's happening to me? I desperately want approval, so I begin to compromise my values. If that's true of you, you can look down there and check it. Go ahead, you can check it. It's okay. Some of you are thinking, I'm not going to check it because I don't want anybody to know that's what's going on. Okay, fourth one. You hesitate to share your faith. You hesitate to share your faith. You believe Jesus is the Son of God. You know that you have forgiveness of sins. You know that he lives and that he is alive, that he's changed your life, but you've got a friend who doesn't know him, and that friend is struggling and hurting, and he's lost in his sin, but you're afraid to share with him how he can get out because you don't want to be overtly what? Religious. Yeah, I heard people saying that. Yeah, I don't want to be too... I don't want to be seen as a weirdo. I don't want him to think I'm kind of a Jesus freak. And so you let it go on by because you're too concerned about others' approval. And then the last one, perhaps the biggest one for many of us, you have an incredibly hard time saying no because you want to please people. Our egos are incredibly insecure and they're crying out, like me, like me, like me. And so they say, could you do this for me? Oh, sure. I'm happy to do that for you. Not a problem. And you're thinking inside, I do not want to do this. What am I saying? Shut your mouth. But now you're stuck. Oh, I'd love to bring you a meal. I'd love to send you a pizza. You know, if it's me, you'd rather have the pizza than me make you a meal, okay? If it's my wife, you want her to make you the meal, incredible sense of I need people's approval. But if you want to be a follower of Christ, 
You cannot be consumed with what other people think about you because you cannot simultaneously live for the approval of people and the approval of God. You have to make a choice. I will live for the approval of God or I will live for the approval of people because the fear of man will prove to be a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept, what? Safe, exactly. So how do we overcome this desire to please, this disease to please, if you like it? How do we overcome this problem? Well, you need to focus on pleasing God, first of all, and then you need to learn how to live from the approval of God. And these are difficult things. Do not act like this is a simple thing. It is not easy. It's incredibly hard. But once you learn how to do it, it will change your life. It will literally change your life and your response to others around you. You begin to live appropriately and respond appropriately as God has made you, as God intended for you to do. The fear of man, what will it do, do to me? What will the fear of man do to me? It will be a snare, a trap. It says it will prove itself to be a snare or a trap. And the word for snare is mokesh in, in the Hebrew. And it literally means to pull by the nose. Okay? Grab you by the nose and pull you along. It was, a, it was a hook that they would put into a horse's nose or a mule's nose and it pulls them along and they'd pull them along. And he, you know, he followed all right, no problem. So you got a hook in your nose, you got a ring in your nose and you pull them along. It says, you, when you fear man, when you seek man's approval, you become like a person with a hook in their nose and they're just pulling you wherever they want you to go. She says, do not allow that to happen. Do not be pulled by the nose. Hey, do you like my outfit? Like my hair? I've got bangs now. I didn't used to have bangs. I have bangs now. Doesn't it look really good? Like my forehead? How about my tan? Isn't it white against what? And on and on and on we go. I go, oh my goodness, when is this going to end? The approval, the approval, the approval. Am I cool enough now? Hey, I don't have an iPhone 4. I now have an iPhone 5. Mary does. I don't. Enough said. No more comments. I'm going to leave it there. Yeah? You're getting the picture? Am I cool enough now? Did I wear the right clothes? This says Quicksilver on it. Do you see the Q? You know? Oh, these are... No, I can't sell by the pants because they're just crummy pants. But Oh, if there were special ones, I could show you. Hey, these are Joe's. They cost $100. No, these are... I forgot who. They cost $12.99. But, you know... <laughs> Can't, can't be special there. But I tell you, when I wear my special pants, I feel special. What is wrong with you, Lee? <laughs> I'm buying it. It's a trap. The fear of man proves to be a snare. It's a trap. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept what? Safe. See, so the problem is this. Pleasing people is putting the approval of people ahead of the approval of God. Pleasing people... Quite simply, it's putting the approval of people ahead of the approval of God. You do not want to do it. You need to catch yourself. Say, whoa, what am I doing? It's making people too big in our lives and making God too small. People too big, God too small. It could be one of the most limiting factors in your entire life. If you're a parent... And your big goal is, I want my kids to like me. They will like you today, but they will not respect you tomorrow. 
Because your number one goal in life, your call in life is not to be their buddy. It's to be their guiding force in life. It's to be their guiding force in life. It's not to be their buddy. That's where we struggle. I want to be my son's best friend. I go, no, I don't. He can have all his kinds of best friends. He doesn't even want me as his best friend. He needs a dad. He doesn't need a buddy. He needs a dad. He needs a mom to guide, to support, to correct, to rebuke, to approve, to affirm all these things we're called to do. If you want to be a leader in your school and you're consumed with what your friends think about you, you will never be a leader in your school. You'll never be that. If you want to be a leader in business, you'll have to make some incredibly difficult calls other people will not understand. They will not understand them. But if that's what you want to be, then that's what you're going to have to be. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you cannot be consumed with what people think about you because you cannot simultaneously live for the approval of people and the approval of what? God. You can't. It's impossible. It's impossible. You can either be a servant of God or you can be a server of people. The fear of man will prove to be a snare. It'll pull you by the nose. You'll find yourself forced to follow. But they who trust in the Lord will be kept what? Safe. Safe. Exactly. So how do we overcome the disease to please? We focus on pleasing God and we live from the approval of God. We focus on pleasing God instead of pleasing people. We choose to live for the audience of one, not for the crowd. Galatians 1.10 says, obviously, Paul, I'm not trying to win the approval of people. He's, you know, goes to jail. He's involved in getting beat up, all kinds of things. Obviously, he says, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but instead I'm trying to win the approval of who? Of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant, he said. If that was my goal, I would not be a servant of Christ, a follower of Christ. You cannot simultaneously live for the applause of a crowd and at the same time live for the audience of one. If you want to use your ego and not let it use you, you have to focus on pleasing God, not pleasing people. People I go to for advice and for counsel. God, I go to for approval. Right? So I go to many of you for advice and counsel. I have questions and finance or issues. I go to many of you who are capable in that area. I seek advice and counsel from you, but approval I seek from God. He says, Lee, here are the bottom black and white issues in relationship to your finances. Outside of that, you can gain much advice and much counsel from other people who have proven themselves to be mature and have the ability to give you guidance and direction. You need to seek that. But I don't seek their approval. I seek their advice. I seek their counsel. But I seek approval from God. This is revolutionary, folks, in terms of your life and how you respond to life itself. It will transform you. It will free you. It will allow you to finally go, oh, enough. I don't got to wear these clothes. I don't have to drive this car. I don't have to do any of this stuff unless I want to. And God approves it. Then I choose to. You see, one thing I've learned as a pastor is this. I cannot please everybody. 
I cannot please everybody, but I can please God. Turn to the person next to you and say, I cannot please everybody, Turn. but I can please God. Some of you husbands turn to your wife and you're going, yes. I can't please my wife all the time. You're right, you cannot. But you can please God. And if you are pleasing God, you'll find yourself in reality bringing pleasure to people around you even when they don't want what it is that you're giving. But later on, later on, they will. So I'm to focus on living for an audience of one instead of the applause of the crowd. I stop becoming obsessed with what people think about me, about what I wear, with what I drive, how I speak, all these off-the-wall things, because that's the quickest way to forget what God thinks about me. If I'm busy thinking about what you think about me, I stop thinking about what does God think about what I say. And he's speaking to me in this voice saying, Lee, that wasn't true. Why did you say that? I go, I don't know why I said that. It just seemed like it just kind of slipped out. He said, well, slip it back. Yeah, I actually haven't been to that place. And I go, oh, they don't think anything of it because they're thinking, well, why did you tell me you went to the place? I don't care if you went to the place or not. It's because I want your approval. Secondly, we need to learn to live from the approval of God instead of for the approval of people. From the approval of God. If we want to overcome this disease to please, we learn to live from the approval of God instead of for the approval of people. So Paul says it this way, on the contrary, au contraire, okay, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. You see, if you are a follower of Christ, God approves of you through Christ. He approves of you. You are his message. And you live from the approval of God instead of for the approval of people. On the contrary, we speak as those, say it out loud, approved by God. One more time, approved by God. You see, you've been approved by God. God has said, I approved this message. Who you are, what you were called to be, what I want you to do. If you are living according to my approval, I approve this. And I will use this, and you will be a life changer. You'll be a difference maker. Because you're living in accordance with what God desires you to live. We're not trying to please people. Did you catch that? We're not trying to please people. We're trying to please God who tests our hearts because he knows what you're doing or not. What are you really trying to do? You need to stop and say, what am I trying to do here? Why am I doing this? I want to affirm who I am, how God has made me, my distinctiveness, and I'm just fine being a brunette as opposed to a blonde or a blonde instead of a brunette or curly hair instead of straight. Or whatever it is, I am a child of God. God made me this way. This is not just okay. This is good. And if I choose to change it, then I choose to. Oh, I think I'll try that out for a while. You know, some of you ladies have had multiple colors. Okay? And that's okay if you choose to do that. But don't do that to gain the approval of others. Do I look better as a blonde? I would say, no, you look better no matter what color it is. You look great. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. Who are you? I'm approved by God. Because of what Christ has done, 
We have the righteousness of God. When God looks upon us, he does not see our sin. He does not see our ineffectiveness. He does not see our mistakes. He sees the righteousness of God. He sees Jesus himself cleansing us through. We're complete. We're whole. We're ready to be used by God. God says, man, you are in great shape. Really? You are. You're ready to be used by me according to how I've set you aside. He's saying, you not only are not guilty because I've taken care of that issue, but you are ready to be used. You are ready to be used. Your worth is not based on what people think about you. Your worth is based on what God says about you. You don't have to dance for the approval of others. You live from the approval of God. I get advice. I get counsel from others. But my approval comes from who? God. Exactly. You have to ask yourself, would God have approved the message that I'm sharing? Would God have approved the clothes that I'm wearing? Would God have approved what it was that I'm saying in this situation? My responses to the situations. Would God have approved my kids being involved in this situation here? Would God have approved of me drinking? Would God have approved of my speech? You have to ask that question. If you can't answer yes, then don't do it. That's a faith response. Yes, God is happy with this. God is happy with this situation. Wonderful. I act from the approval of God. Who are you? Who are you? The answer is this. Who does God say you are? Let's watch this marvelous clip from Amina Brown. Interesting as she shares that poem, the first point we talk about our image and who we truly are in the sight of God. God has given us an image. You were created that image. And I've shared these thoughts and these ideas before. First and foremost, you are an individual. You are yourself. You are God's masterpiece. The word that, out of that Ephesians section means you're God's poem. That God himself has made. That he sat down and when you were first created, he gathered all the angels around and said, listen to this. Listen to this. And they went, wow. He said, yeah, and that's just one of them. Wait till you see the next one. Bring her in. And all these wondrous, glorious pictures that God is portraying over and over again of each individual one, unique in their facial structure, unique in their bodies, unique in their understanding, unique in their perspectives. You are an individual before God with a special DNA, a unique personality, a special style, individual uniquely for a purpose. You could say, I am God's masterpiece. Say that with me. I am God's masterpiece. You are. That's who God says you are. Secondly, your motivation. You are Christ's ambassador. You are Christ's ambassador. What stirs your heart? Once you become a Christian, you find God grabs a hold of us and changes us in relationship to what we share and how we share it. You're motivated differently than I am. You have a completely different psyche. You're called to serve in a different area to different people. Each of us has a unique heart desire. I think as Shane Shannon, who's been off in Nepal, involved in the process of caring for young women forced into prostitution and trying to help and give them direction and support because that's his motivation. He says, I desperately need to help them. I desperately need to do that. 
that God has placed in him this desire. What's your motivation? Sometimes you need to reach out to the image of those around you to support them and tell them who they are and remind them what you see. And then you'll begin to see an echo of yourself in the process. You are Christ's ambassador. Look at the person next to you and say, you are Christ's ambassador. Yeah, find somebody. Yeah, back and forth. Left, right, left, right. Exactly. I got you there, girl. Wow. You are Christ's ambassador. You are God's masterpiece. You have these special abilities. Special abilities. You're a joint heir with Christ. Specialized abilities. Things you do well. Some of you are mechanically oriented. Some of you are physically oriented. Some of you are intellectually oriented. Some manage. Some lead. Some follow. In the NBA, if you're extremely tall, you're seven feet tall, then you tend to be a what? A center. Okay? You rarely play guard because it doesn't fit well. But if you're only five foot seven, it's unlikely that you are a center. I said center, not center. We know you all are centers, but it's a different thing altogether. Okay? So you get the picture of that. Tom Brady may be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I think, you know. There's other people that are a little better, you know. See about that Jay Cutler? Yeah, I think he's a little better, but that's me, right? Chicago Bears fan. Those of you that are Chicago Bears fan, thank you very much. Okay, okay. That's just, I had to let that one out. Let it go. Let it go, Lee. Let it go, okay? However, if Tom Bray decided he was going to be a wide receiver, he would suck. He would suck as a wide, he would never have even made it in high school in that position, he recognized he has different abilities, different talents. God has made him differently. As he recognized those talents and abilities, he responded appropriately and acted in that manner. It doesn't make him better. It just makes him who God intended for him to be. Who are you? You're a joint heir with Christ. You have certain gifts, certain grace gifts, I call them. You are the light of this world. You have these wondrous grace gifts that God has placed into your life. And as you use those gifts, people's lives are changed by the miraculous Spirit of God. When you use those gifts that He's given you, they're changed by the Spirit of God. Some of you say, well, what gifts are they? Well, the first is a set of listening gifts. Some of you have gifts of listening. You're relational with people. You encourage. You give comfort. My wife has listening gifts. And so people gather around her for her to listen to them and give them direction and comfort and encouragement. That's her giftedness. Some of you don't have that gift. Some of you are more leaders. You like to be in front. You like to give direction. You're willing to motivate, to push, to say, let's get it. Let's make it happen. Let's go. People say, you're so pushy. I know. That's because that's who you are. That's what you need to be. If that's the approval God has given you, if that's the gift he's given you, that's what you need to do. Some of you are more leaning gifts. That's where you help others get it done. Whatever it takes, you're there side by side. I got this. I got it handled. No problem. It'll be taken care of. I'm like, wow, that is so wonderful to have people who have leaning gifts that are around me. And some of you have lifting gifts. And lifting gifts are gifts of discernment, wisdom, faith, prayer. You have this wonderful ability to lift people up by the very Spirit of God. You see things others don't see. You hear things others don't hear. You have wisdom about things that others just don't seem to have. You have faith that literally moves mountains. And you pray constantly and regularly. And as you do that, people's lives are changed. What are your gifts? Are they listening? Are they leading? Are they leaning? 
are they lifting? What are your grace gifts? You are the light of the world. Turn person next to you again. Say, you are the light of the world. Say it. Some of you didn't know that. You go, oh, I felt like I was uh, something other than that. I was, you know, I'm just a bulb. Okay, whatever. Experiences. Okay, I-M-A-G-E, experiences. You are forgiven and your sins are washed away. Boy, I want to say this over and over to everybody. You are forgiven and your sins are washed away. Some of you have background issues that have gone on in your life, terrible experiences where you failed horribly. And then God resurrected you from that. And he gave you hope and he renewed you. And he had this remarkable thing. And you know what happened after that? You started hiding it. You didn't want to tell anybody about it. Why? You're ashamed. You are ashamed of what you did rather than excited about what God did. I know I, people ask me, Pastor Lee, you had this horrible, you were really rotten. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that. I really don't. I want to talk about, look what God did. God did this great thing. What did he, well, yeah, you were a drug dealer? Yeah, I was a drug dealer. But, you know, and they go, oh, and you're a juvenile. You're like in jail. And so, yeah, I, was a, I don't want to talk about that. And God says, yeah, but some people need to hear about that, Lee, because I changed you. And they need to know what I changed you from. I know your parents know. They saw it. But other people go, can I really be changed? Can I really be changed? Our experiences, the pain that we went through, can be used to relieve the pain of others who are going through something similar. And God calls you to get alongside them. Use your pain to ease others' pain, to comfort them. Because of your background, you can care more deeply. You can listen more compassionately. You can pray more fervently because you've gone through similar experiences. You have a similar past, but you've been healed. You need to walk with others in their pain and help them through it and help them to see you can experience change. God can save your marriage. God can build you into a wonderful person. You can have the relationships you always wanted to have as you become who you always were. You just denied God moving those areas. You need to look backward to see where you've been and look forward to determine who you will be. You're forgiven. Your sins are washed away. I still remember the most wonderful day of my life. <laughs> and I was in a parking lot in Würzburg, Germany. I just left the Bible study. I just walked out. I was beginning to understand something. And God spoke to me as clearly as, as I'm speaking to you right now. And he said, you are my son and I am your father. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my. And I turned to my friend next to me. I said, did you hear that? He said, hear what? I thought, I'm going crazy, but I think it's a good thing. And I said, thank you, Father, so much. And it changed my life. It transformed everything, everything. As God, from that day forward, began to speak to me and call me and tell me who I was and what I was called to be. And God wants to do the same thing to everybody here, those of you that he hasn't yet. You are made in his image. And God desires for you to understand how loved you are. And you need to simply take your ego and put it on the altar and say, enough. You're feeling inadequate? Recognize your adequacy comes from his efficacy. You say, well, I feel like I'm controlling too many things and ask the questions. Walk through them. Is it worth the cost? Is this something that I'm supposed to be involved in the control of? Or is this God's control? 
Feeling entitled? God says you're entitled to give. You're entitled to serve. You're not entitled to sulk. And you're not entitled for greed. And last of all, we need to ask ourselves, Lord, have I been approved? And he says, go to others for advice and counsel. Come to me for your approval. I made you intentionally, specially, personally, and I have approved this message. Father, thank you so much for your word. It reminds us of the wonder of who we are because of what you have done. And we come to you today admitting, boy, we are sinners. We are people who have failed and fallen. But because of you, because we recognize that you are the one and only God who has died for us, who gave his life for us, who shed his blood so we can have forgiveness of our sins, we come to you and commit ourselves and we are changed. We are born again. Simply because we said, Lord, change me. Change me. Be my father. Be my father. That I might experience all that you are in and through me. Thank you, Lord. As you do that even today, remind us as we place our egos on your altar. Change us as we need to be changed so that we might become who we were always supposed to be. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a last song here. As we sing this song, um, think about what we've been talking about and sharing. We're going to take an offering right following that. Have an opportunity to respond to God and what he's done to us and use those finances as we close up our time together. Enjoy it. Thanks to Dave for sharing with us and encouraging us. And as we close the service today, well, I'm going to say that in a minute, okay? Right now, focus on what we've said. Think about what God is saying to you.